Hi, my name is Caroline, and I'm so glad that you're joining us on our Grace Journey podcast. At Grace Church, we are all about knowing God and reflecting His way. I hope this sermon will do just that by feeding your mind with the knowledge of God and engaging your heart to live a life reflecting His grace and truth. Well, Happy New Year and welcome to 2020. We are now five years past where the movie Back to the Future said that we would have flying cars and hoverboards. I'm still mad. I'm officially saying that movie's junk for predicting the future. Um, probably many of you have made New Year's resolutions. Resolutions to eat healthier, maybe to lose some weight, get some more exercise, maybe to spend less money, particularly after Christmas, get out of debt. Maybe you have a resolution to work on some relationships that have not gone well and you want them to be better. All good goals, all things that are valuable, which of course is why you pick them, right? We don't pick dumb goals. We pick things that are matter. You want a dumb goal, you'd eat more cheese. How long would you do with eating more cheese? Not good. You've already had enough. I can tell you though about your resolutions and about how those are going to work for you. Studies tell us that most of our resolutions are over by January 19th. That's MLK Day, just in case you're wondering. Coming up soon, most of us quit. In fact, by MLK Day, only 8% of the people who made resolutions are still working on their resolutions. And if you, by some miracle, make it even farther, like to Valentine's Day, February 14th, that puts you in a very elite class of 2% that still are maintaining your resolve. Now, before you get too discouraged, before you feel like, oh man, just a quitter. What I love about this time of year is this ability for us to choose yet again something that matters to us, something that's important to us, something that if we want to, we can actually change. I love that about this time of year. For me, it's this moment again where I can recognize, am I going in the direction that I think I'm supposed to be going? Am I going in the direction that I think God wants me to go? For me, every year at this point, I look back on a resolution that I've had for many years in my life, and I ask myself the same question. Am I following God wholeheartedly? Am I following God wholeheartedly? Because that's my resolve. That's what I want for me more than anything, is to follow God with all that I am, all that I have. And this is the perfect time to ask myself that question. Am I doing it? I want to follow him in such a way that Everyone around me sees, not because it's my job, but because of who I am as Jonathan, that Jesus Christ is my top priority. So I love this time of year just to ask that question, is that who I am? Is that where I'm going? Is that what I'm becoming? In this season of epiphany, which is the readings we had today, we see wise men. Now, we always say three because of the song, and by the way, on our crest, we have the wise men here. They're only here once a year, so check them out when you come forward. We read in the gospel today that the wise men were coming from the east, and they were following the star to Jerusalem. They believed that it would lead them to the Messiah. 
They hoped it would bring in, usher in this new reality for the world, though they didn't know. They were committed to this journey, even though it was expensive, very involved. It was very difficult, and it was dangerous. That's what these wise guys were about. <coughs> Think for a second who does this. Who makes this journey? The answer I can come up with is a follower. A follower. So I want to give you four truths today about followers that I would love for you to remember and write down in good news in the back of your bulletin. If you want new resolve, there's note space. You can write them down. So here are four truths about followers and what we note about what these wise men did. The first thing we note about followers is that lots of folks, many people, admire Jesus, but few are devoted enough to follow him. Lots of people admire Jesus, but few are devoted enough to follow him. Think for a second how many people saw the star in the sky. It was there. Everybody could see it. How many saw it? It was brilliant. It was radiant. It was easy for anyone to see. Hundreds of people saw it? No, thousands. Tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people saw that star. Probably everybody on earth saw that star. It was so noticeable. And yet, how many people followed? How many people actually followed that star? Well, apparently very few. Very, very few. Really just about nobody. Now, to be clear, pilgrimages... That is following something, going on a path. That idea of going on a pilgrimage was, was very common in that day. Still common to this day. And yet, most of humanity admired the star and then stayed home. Did not follow it. Why? Why is that? I think it's because the wise men felt something deep. Something that said, this is it. This is the moment I've been waiting for. This is the moment that I couldn't even name, but I knew it was coming. And when it came, I would be ready to go. And I have to have this. In fact, I think they thought to themselves, I'd rather have this than whatever comforts I have around my life right now. They would do whatever it took to follow that star. Though they didn't know what was at the end of it. They didn't want to be admirers. They chose to be followers. I actually think these wise men were the first disciples because they were the first followers. And disciples, that's all that means is a follower. So they were the first disciples. And that's the first truth that I want you to hear for 2020. Lots of people admire Jesus, but only a few are willing to be his followers. Second truth. Admirers often hold themselves back. Admirers hold themselves back. Let's look for a second at this figure in the, in the gospel reading of Herod. Herod the Great is what he was known as. He was appointed king of Judea by none other than Mark Antony. And he loved grand things. He loved to make his city so grand that he was constantly enriching them with beautiful artifacts to the point where they actually became gaudy. He also knew how to practice politics. 
he was very skilled at this and was, he was so skilled at practicing politics that he remained in power for 37 years, a remarkable length of time. He was a survivor and he knew how to navigate the political world. And that's a hallmark of an admirer. They don't fully commit. They wait until the time is just right to get what they need. Not too much, but definitely not too little either. And when, you, when I look around the world today, I see lots of folks as admirers. Those who want to be a part of things, but only so far, only to a point. They're in the game, but they're not really committed. They're holding back, they're watching, and they're waiting for something that could be potentially better. So there are admirers, lots of them, but few followers. Second truth is, we know that there are many admirers and they commit themselves only partially. They're always holding themselves back. The third truth that I want you to hear today is this. For Christians, for those of us who have committed themselves to Jesus Christ, there is no category for half-heartedness. There is no partial follower. After the Magi, the wise men, after they left Herod, they continued going. They continued to follow that star until it stopped. Did you hear that? Until it stopped. Imagine what a moment this must have been for them. They've been following it for years, and then the star stops. I was trying to think what this would be like, this moment. And I kind of think it would be like your first kiss, your first roller coaster ride, hopefully not the same thing. The first house you purchase and your first child all rolled into one. That's how big this event is. It would have been overwhelming for years and years of traveling, years and years of following, and then it stops there in Bethlehem. And of course, the payoff is huge. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, the Holy Family. And they pay homage, is what the scriptures say. That is, they showed respect publicly. They gave gifts, perhaps spontaneously. The figures are carrying them. We don't know where those gifts came from. Were they carrying them? Were they waiting? We're not sure, but they just gave them. This is clear. There are two sides in this story. There are admirers and there are followers. There's no sort of follower in the middle. There's no tag-alongs. There's no, I'll check it out, see where this goes. There are followers, and anybody who's not a follower is absolutely an admirer. I've been thinking about what admirers are today. So I want to sharpen this as much to a fine point as I can. People who are admirers today, I believe, are folks who say when they're asked, do you believe in Jesus? An admirer would say, sure, I believe in Jesus in my own way. Notice the caveat on the end. Admirers, I think, go to church, maybe even for year, year after year. Admirers, I think, volunteer sometimes. Maybe they even give away some of their stuff, material goods, perhaps money. But the critical thing about an admirer is they want to retain, they must retain 
control of their lives. They must retain control of their stuff. They must remain in control of their circumstances. They know that if they get too close to Jesus, it will risk, it will mean risk giving up something. Most of all, risk giving up their control. Getting too close to Jesus might mean that they have to change their work or their lifestyle. It might mean that they get help for their crumbling marriage. It might mean that they get honest about how little they know about God or the scriptures. Change might mean dealing with some habit or addiction that's plagued them for years. And so for admirers deep down in that secret place that all of us hold, admirers say, no, hands off, God. This is my life, and I will do this my way. So they admire Jesus. They admire Jesus from a certain distance between him and them. Now, I've also noticed that for the folks who are in the admirer camps, if that distance becomes too great, they get a little concerned. When they recognize that they're a little farther away from God than they meant to be, suddenly they're like, you know what? I need to sort of hit up church a little more often. Make sure that he sees I'm punching the card there. Maybe when they come to church or to their favorite charity, they write out a, a little more on the check just in case God's looking over their shoulder. Hey, look, did you see what I did there, God? A little bit extra for you. They don't want the gap to be too great because then they begin to feel uncomfortable. uncomfortable. If God is too close, bad. But if he's too far away, it's also bad. They're kind of like spiritual chameleons. When they're with church people, they're happy to talk about Jesus. But when they're in other settings, work, school, with their neighbors, they're not really standing with Jesus very much. They'll do whatever it takes to fit into whatever crowd they're with in that moment. And admirers very often feel quite superior because they're able to float from circle to circle and they think, oh man, I'm so great. I can get along with all these different groups of people. But really inside they're hollow because they are fundamentally uncommitted people. They don't have a commitment that goes all the way to their core, except for the commitment to themselves. Is that you? Look, I've wondered if it's me. I think about this all the time for me. And not just because it's my job to be a Christian. I've wondered, do I shrink back from my personal conversations when I know what Christ thinks, but I don't want to say it? Or how often do I let vagueness to continue in a discussion because of my own sins, because of my own fears, because of my own inadequacies? I'm afraid sometimes. Because of that, I know that I slip into that admirer camp. But my conviction is this. I'd rather be a part of a community, a church body, that calls out for wholehearted devotion to Jesus Christ proclaimed clearly and regularly than ever be a part of the big crowds of thousands of people who drift along admiring Jesus without ever being challenged with the core of who they should be. So again, are you an admirer 
or are you a follower of Jesus? Fourth, final truth. Jesus wants us to choose. He wants you and I to pick which we are. Which camp will we be in? So to that story, let me to that idea, let me tell you a story. About 150 years ago, there was a man named Charles Blondin. He was a very good showman and performer. What he did was he walked tightropes. Very, very good at it. On one occasion, Charles Blondin decided to set up a rope across Niagara Falls, across the falls themselves, and walk across that tightrope. He let everybody else know, uh, for, he put out a lot of publicity all around, that he was going to do this. So 100,000 people showed up to see Blondin make this journey across the tightrope. Gets up, inch by inch, step by step. He works his way from one side of the falls to the other on this rope across the falls. No net, no tether to the rope, life or death. He actually made it with ease. He was really good at this. When he got to the other side, the crowd went wild, so he grabs a chair. He brings the chair out into the middle of the tightrope. He puts the chair on the tightrope. He then climbs on the chair that's on the rope. Can you imagine? crowd goes nuts. They are blown away by his lack of fear, his ability to do these crazy stunts. He did stunt after stunt until he finally came out with a wheelbarrow. And he called out to the crowd, do you believe I can take this wheelbarrow across the tightrope? They had seen him do many things. So they cry out, yeah, we believe you can do this. And he said, great, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow with me? They didn't laugh. There was total silence. No one moved. Do you believe or are you an admirer? That's the question right there. Finally, a man named Harry Concord came forward. He was a friend of Blondin's. He knew him, and he got in the wheelbarrow. Across they went, inch by inch, step by step, on this rope across Niagara Falls. Can you imagine the ride? You know, wheelbarrow over Niagara Falls? Sounds crazy. When he got to the other side, the crowd went wild. But note carefully, the crowd did not get in the wheelbarrow. Everyone applauded Blondin. But only one man trusted him. Only one man went on this trip with him. So again... Where are you? Which category are you in, admirer or follower? Have you fully devoted yourself to following Jesus Christ? I'm not asking him. I'm not asking you if you admire him. I'm not asking you if you believe in him. I'm asking you to put yourself in Jesus' wheelbarrow. And I've been a priest long enough to know that when folks are confronted with this question, all kinds of thoughts get stirred up in us. Right now, some of you are thinking, well, I got some sin in my life, so I can't get in the wheelbarrow, or I've got all this guilt of ways that I failed Christ in the past, so I can't get in the wheelbarrow, or I'm not spiritually strong enough, so I definitely shouldn't get in that wheelbarrow. He's not talking to me. Or I'm just afraid. I'm afraid of what will happen next. 
So all of that, Jesus says, oh, my beloved, your problems, your sins, your fears, they're much greater than you know, actually. He says to us that the Niagara Falls of the sin in our life is far, far worse than you could possibly imagine it. And there's not a thing in the world that any of us can do about it. But he can. He died on the cross so that all of our mess could be given over to him and put in that wheelbarrow. He rose again to prove that his forgiveness cannot be stopped. And he wanted to give it to you today. He chose to wipe clean our slates, to put our brokenness in the past and our whole life in his hands, in his wheelbarrow. So this first Sunday of 2020, I love it. Because it's a time. It's a time, a moment where you can yet again make a commitment to be a follower, to stop admiring Jesus, stop admiring the cross, stop admiring the beauty of church, and follow him by giving him your whole life. And if you've made that decision before, there's no reason not to make it again. I am. I continue to want to be a follower, to look at all the places in my life that I'm holding back and give it over to him. Jesus wants you to risk it with him. He is waiting for you to join him. Stop admiring. Will that be you today? Let's pray. Father, we uh, confess that this is a very, very difficult decision. I confess this is hard. That many times I think that I'm following you. In fact, I'm not because I know in my deepest place I'm holding back. So I ask for yet again for forgiveness for the ways in which I hold back. And I pray for each person here today who's hearing my voice, who's wondering whether they are an admirer or I pray that you would speak to them, speak to their hearts, uncover whatever it is that's causing them to hold back. And Lord, I pray that they would admit that to you right now. Would confess it and let it go. Thank you, God, for the example of these wise men who came and followed and didn't quit. Maybe we would be like them. That we too would one day be able to stop before your throne and recognize this is all that we ever want. Thanks again for listening. To find out more about what's going on here at Grace Church, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, our website, graceocala.org, or, of course, on our campus here in sunny Ocala, Florida. Go in peace.